Hello, and welcome to the Hypochondriac's Almanac podcast. We have uh, not recorded in a very long time, have we, Katrina? No, it's been a fat minute. I've got a little my little sis joining the podcast today. Um, but before we get started, we need to do a couple little disclaimers. We're not doctors, nurses, or medical professionals of any kind. We're not trying to give you medical advice, diagnose you, or fix your problems. If you have an issue, don't guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. Go to the doctor, for Pete's sake. Right, Katrina? Uh, hell yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about some weird medical stuff. Okay, so the first one I want to talk to you about is pretty bonkers. Um... You're going to like this one. Lice infestation nearly killed four-year-old, Indiana police say. Her mom is charged. What? Okay, get this. A mother was arrested after her four-year-old daughter's lice infestation was found to be so severe that it nearly killed her. Police in Scottsburg, Indiana, were notified by child services about a four-year-old who had been hospitalized due to lice. According to an affidavit, the hospital declared her as a near fatality due to her extremely low hemoglobin levels. According to the Mayo Clinic, hemoglobin is a protein in your red blood cells that carries oxygen to your body's organs and tissues and transports carbon dioxide from your organs and tissues back to your lungs. Okay, so a normal hemoglobin level is like 12 grams per deciliter, but the girl's was recorded at about 1.7. Do you know what that means? She was like almost dead, right? Holy. So this was the lowest that the hospital staff had ever seen. And they said she'd already had four. Yes. Because they kept eating, biting her and sucking her blood. She'd already had four blood transfusions. She would have had to been so severely infested. Oh my God. She was so sick that she was unable to walk. Police learned that the girl's six-year-old sister was also infested, and the officer said the infestation was unlike anything he had ever seen before. School workers told police that the six-year-old had lice three days straight in early March before she missed 31 days of school, according to court documents. And yikes. The older sister had hemoglobin levels of 8.7 grams, which is considered low, but not critically so like her younger sister. So obviously she had a a larger body mass index, so it wasn't quite as challenging for her to deal with those bites, but child services removed, child services removed the children from their mother, 26 year old Cheyenne Singh and placed them with their grandparents. The girl's grandmother told police that the lice had gotten so bad, the mom responded she didn't notice and that she was in a fog. What? How do you not notice that? I don't know. Do you not do your children's hair? I don't know. The girls also got lice in November and their mother was just too lazy to help them comb it out and it would start all over again, the grandmother said. So they, they arrested this woman and charged her with neglect. Um, including neglect of a dependent resulting in serious bodily injury. Police say she failed to manage and seek medical treatment for her daughter's lice infestation. So a severe case of head lice can cause anemia, which a Vancouver pediatric doctor studied in a 2019 case involving a four-year-old child. So anemia essentially occurs when an individual lacks enough healthy red blood cells to carry adequate oxygen to the body's tissues. An untreated case of head lice caused the death of a 12-year-old girl in Georgia last year, and her parents were arrested for that. But the CDC says treatment for head lice requires an over-the-counter or sometimes prescription-strength medication. But how bonkers is that? That is 
really disgusting. Yeah, I just, I can't even. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with lice in your lifetime. Yes, remember when Bella gave it to me? Who? Bella. Yes, because she got it from out of her dad's house. And then they weren't treating it properly at their house. And so whenever she'd go over there, she'd get it again. And then I'd have to treat her again. But there's something so disgusting about lice is gross. Yeah. And I remember just being horrified when I had to deal with it because it's, it's embarrassing. First of all, you know, when it happens and how do you not know, do you not do your children's hair? Like, I don't know. I didn't even know that I had it. I didn't know most, I had it. Most four-year-olds need a little bit of help with the hair, so you think that you kind of maybe notice some itching. Or bugs and... crawling in your child's hair. I don't know. All I know is that I had laid down and taken a nap with Bella at one point at Grandma's house, and my head just itched like crazy. Like a couple weeks after that. And for some reason, I like went and got a little lice comb or something and pulled it through the back of my hair at the nape of my neck. And it came out just covered in just, it was so gross. Oh, yeah. And they spread so quickly. Yeah. It's it's so, it's horrible. And that was like, oh gosh, Bella's 23 now. So that was... She was pretty little. Yeah, that was like... Um, I think she had to have been like six or seven, maybe even younger. That was a long time ago, but thank God I've never, I haven't had to experience that with any of my other kids, but like, there's a lot of different things you can do to prevent it from happening. Like, I don't, I didn't know anything about it. I had no idea. Well, it's, it's just gross. Yeah. There's, there's lots of things you can do to prevent it. You can use like a tea tree oil shampoos. Um, uh, I keep with, with Maya, um, I always kept her hair braided when she was younger or up or something. So when she was at school, it's a lot harder for, uh, that to ha- get transmitted from other kids. So yeah, just wild. But, yeah. Oh, um, stuff. yeah. Icky, icky, icky. Um, keep watch on your children, people. <laughs> Check out their hair occasionally. I mean, yes, come on. look at their hair. Be a responsible adult. Um, next article. You're going to, this is crazy. A woman cried blood while on her period. It's a rare condition that could be caused by sex hormones, doctors say. Cried blood? Yeah. So a woman in India bled from her eyes while she was on her period and the doctors performed multiple tests on her and found out she was healthy and they think sex hormones caused bleeding. So they gave her birth control pills, which stopped it. But this 25 year old woman had the strangest period of her life when she cried bloody tears while she was menstruating. So according to a March 9th case study in the journal BJM or excuse me, BMJ case reports, the woman had experienced the rare condition called ocular vicarious menstruation a month before seeing doctors in India where she lives. And she also bled from her nose. I've never even heard of this. No. When she came to the doctors who penned the case report, she was on her period again and experiencing the bloody tears in both of her eyes for a second time. 
The woman said the tears didn't hurt at all and she didn't take any pain medication for it. Though a few cases of ocular vicarious menstruation have been reported before, doctors are still unsure of what causes the strange period side effect. But according to one editorial journal, bloody period tears could be the result of sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone. These hormones tend to increase when a person is on their period and might increase blood flow to the eyes. To determine if the patient actually had ocular vicarious menstruation, the doctors first tested the blood in her tears and a sample of her blood from another area of her body. They found both samples were the B-plus blood type, meaning the woman's bloody tears were the result of her body's functioning. So, what? Yeah. How was that even, like... There's pictures of it, too. Oh, my it's God. It's so I'm bonkers. It. Yeah, that is nuts. How was how that even, like... I'm trying to think of the science of like I'm going through biology stuff in my head and I'm I I'm trying to figure out how that would even work. Yeah, well they ruled out underlying illnesses like eye cancer, pink eye, blood disorders and any potential medication side effects. Ultimately, they concluded that her condition wasn't a result of any underlying medical issues. According to the 2018 case study of the condition, an estimated 30% of ocular bleeding cases aren't tied to other medical issues and are simply mysteries. To treat this woman, the doctors just gave her birth control pills with the hormones estrogen and progesterone. According to her doctors, oral contraceptives can halt the bleeding because they stop natural ovulation that releases hormones potentially messing with eye tissues. So three months after seeing the doctors, the woman reported she no longer had bloody tears. How bonkers is that case? I, I can't even. I'm trying to just wrap my brain around how that even could happen. I don't know. I mean, I've been, you know, had my period since for a long time, and I've never experienced that. Yeah, I don't. I can't even imagine bleeding out of your nose and eyes as a condition of your period, like a side effect of, you know, PMS. I'm bleeding from my eyes. <laughs> that would be so weird. That would be horrifying. Like, I would think I was could dying. Could you imagine being at school and being like a teenage girl and being like blood coming out of your eyes? Oh, I'm just on my period. Yeah, don't worry <laughs> about me. Don't worry about a little blood coming out from my eyes. I mean, that would be terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I can't even... That. And think of how scary that would have been for her when she started to experience that. Like, what the hell? Why am I bleeding from my eyeballs? Yeah. It, and it was like she was crying bloody tears. So they were coming out of the cor the middle corners, the closest to her nose. How old was she? Tw 25. 25. Gosh. Wild, right? That is super strange. Yeah. Um, next article insider a mysterious brain disorder causes hallucinations and tooth shattering and has infected dozens of canadians experts aren't sure why it causes tooth shattering tooth shattering yeah does it say well, the science behind that so at least 43 people in canada's new brunswick province have fallen ill to an unknown brain disease that causes spasms memory loss and hallucinations but doctors are stumped. Public health officials believe five people in the so-called cluster have died from this disease since the first case was spotted in 2015. 
We've not seen over the last 20 plus years a cluster of diagnosis-resistant neurological diseases like this one, they say. The disease, the disease came to light this month when Radio Canada and CBC got a hold of a leaked memo sent from the province's public health agency to local physicians. The memo told doctors to keep an eye out for patients that have symptoms of the rare brain disorder called creutzfeldt jakob disease. So we've talked about this on the show before. Typically, this particular condition causes blurred vision, hallucinations, and disorientation. But when they tested these patients, they ruled out CJD very quickly. So it wasn't that particular illness. Patients first came in with spasms, then developed drooling and tooth shattering. I can't even. Um, neurologists that were leading this investigation say patients first came in with pain, spasms, and changes in behavior. However, because these symptoms were linked to a number of health conditions, it wasn't a huge concern. The symptoms for these limited number of patients, though, progressed to impaired cognitive abilities, muscle wasting, drooling, and tooth shattering over the next 18 to 36 months. And some of these patients also had disturbing hallucinations like insects crawling on their skin. So they conducted a whole series of tests on them with brain imaging, spinal taps, and toxicology to ensure that brain disease wasn't a known neurodegenerative disorder. Uh -huh. So researchers are now collaborating with different national groups and various health experts to find out what it is and how it has caused this, studying the local environment as well. Researchers say that it's unusual for a brain disease to have such a broad array of common symptoms. Normally, they would be only a few key signs. Overall, there just isn't enough information yet to make any conclusions. Tooth shattering. Really? What the heck? Uh, I can't even understand why it would shatter your teeth. Well, it's like you would be either chomping down or clenching your jaw so hard that you shatter your teeth. I mean, I can see that happening if um, you're losing control of your muscles. It's wild. I mean, I can understand it to a small degree because I had a dentist appointment today and I went and saw the dentist and they did a full examination and they said that they were beginning to see very small cracks in my teeth from clenching my teeth while I sleep. Yes. Yeah. And I wear a mouth guard and they're still seeing it. So she I think it's stress related just because, you know, <laughs> it's been very difficult lately with my job and whatnot. And he recommended that I put my mouth guard in when I'm just sitting doing nothing to prevent myself from clenching my teeth while I'm, you know, not realizing it. Uh -huh. But I mean, it is what it is. Like if you're clenching your jaw hard enough, you're going to cause your teeth to crack. And if you do it long enough and hard enough, you could shatter your teeth, which is just bonkers to me. Yeah. And it also causes your, um, your gums to recede. Yes. It's, it's not good. I mean, there's a whole host of symptoms that can come along with something like that. But it's interesting that they very quickly ruled out that creutzfeldt jakob disease that we talked about before, mm -hmm. um, which had a very wide swath of the population that was kind of impacted by that. There was a, quite a few people that were diagnosed with that particular one in certain regions in Canada. Gosh, that's, that's scary. I mean, to get something like that is really kind of 
I mean, because they're, you, they're developing cognitive decline. That muscle wasting, drooling, yeah, and then teeth shattering. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have nightmares about losing my teeth. Me too. That's that's some scary stuff. I mean, and your brain function. I mean, that's scary. And then they don't really know what's causing it. Well, I was waiting for them to link it with some sort of thing with COVID because there have been quite a few uh, neurological symptoms and consequences that have started to pop up with um, side effects, long-term side effects from COVID. So when did this start happening exactly? Um, I think they said as far back as 2015. But COVID wasn't around 2015. But people are dying from this. The first case was spotted in 2015. So it couldn't it couldn't be COVID related because this is obviously prior to that. But very interesting. I wonder if it's food related. I don't know. It could be. I mean, you just never know with this stuff nowadays. I mean, it could be like a mad cow disease kind of a situation as well. I mean, that was my first thought when you started to um, describe the different symptoms as I was thinking about mad cow disease. Yeah. Well, five people have died and 43 people have fallen ill with the same sort of condition. Is it in a general area, the same general area? New Brunswick province in Canada. Hmm. So it's got to be something with the food source or maybe the water or some kind of environmental factor, because why would they find a cluster in that one area and nowhere else? Yeah, that seems strange. Yeah, so that's a pretty wild case right there. Um, Next case. Mom gives birth to rare super twins born on the same day but conceived three weeks apart. Did you hear about this one? No. So this woman and her partner tried for several years to get pregnant with their first child together, and the couple was then thrilled last year when they learned that the mother, after being put on medications, was expecting a child. When she had her third ultrasound at 12 weeks pregnant, she said her thrill turned to shock when doctors discovered there was a second baby in there. It was really, really shocking to be told there were two babies instead of one, Roberts, who is 39, said. Then they told me there was a three-week size difference between the two babies that the doctors couldn't understand. They had trouble understanding what was happening with her pregnancy because it's an occurrence that is so rare that the actual number of times it's happened is unknown, say OBGYN doctors. Robert's pregnancy was diagnosed as a superfetation, a phenomenon where a second new pregnancy occurs during an initial pregnancy. In an order for it to happen, eggs are released from the ovary on two separate occasions. They fertilize and then implant into the uterus. My initial reaction was, how had I missed the second twin, the doctor said. And following this, I was slightly relieved that it was not my mistake, but a quite extraordinary pregnancy. In this particular woman's case, the older twin of the two measured three weeks older than the younger twin. And this is believed to be one of the biggest age differences among known superfetation twins. So this particular woman learned she was expecting a rare set of twins and... The father was not allowed to attend the appointment in person because of COVID, but when they found out they were having twins, they were very, very excited, but they did also have a mixture of emotions, and they were surprised to find out that this superfetation was so rare. 
They were also told by doctors that their younger twin, a daughter they will name Rosalie, may not survive. What came after getting pregnant was just such incredibly hard work. It wasn't all happy and rainbows like you expect a pregnancy to be. It was quite scary. She went on, when twins, with twins, it's scary already. And then because of my age and the fact that they were conceived at different points, and then we were told that the odds were against the younger twin. When Roberts was 33 weeks pregnant, doctors induced labor because the younger twin had stopped growing properly due to a problem with her umbilical cord. And she gave birth successfully last September to the son, Noah, who weighed four pounds, 10 ounces, and then the younger daughter, who weighed just seven, who weighed, excuse me, who weighed just two pounds, seven ounces. She was only 30 weeks gestation, and the placenta had never grown properly, but Rosalie, the youngest child, spent the next 95 days in the neonatal intensive care unit while her older brother spent just three weeks at the, the NICU. The family was finally reunited just before Christmas, and... These are super twins. This is just so crazy. So it's essentially an egg is released twice and fertilized twice. So they're not fertilized at the same time as normal twins would be. But I guess this is an incredibly rare phenomena. That's nuts. And they, did you say they were born three? They were conceived. They were conceived three weeks apart. But they were born at the same time. Yes. Okay. Because they induced the pregnancy and, and took them out. I think she had a C-section. Well, yeah, 30 weeks. I mean, that that can... It's amazing what they can do nowadays. It's right? not... Super twins. Wow. I'm looking at the pictures of the little babies. Um, she's so much smaller than him. Yeah, she's tiny. I mean, she was two pounds. That Wow. I mean... <laughs> I, I can't imagine being pregnant and then them explaining, oh, by the way, you have these. You're pregnant again. You have this really <laughs> rare pregnancy. FYI, you're pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. You weren't just pregnant once. You're pregnant again. Um, yeah, really interesting. Um, this second article on the same topic is really interesting as well. I saw this a few weeks ago. It actually came out in the beginning of April. And it's pregnant women who are exposed to chemicals in nail polish, shampoo, and toys may have a higher postpartum depression risk. Do you read about this? Oh, no, I haven't heard about that. So the more pregnant women are exposed to common endocrine disrupting chemicals, the more likely they are to develop postpartum depression. This oh. is according to a small study released um, by the Endocrine Society's Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. The chemicals make plastic more flexible and prolong fragrance shelf life. They're found in beauty products like nail polish, aftershave, shampoo, and perfume, as well as toys, PVC pipes, and vinyl flooring. While the study was small and could not prove cause and effect, it makes sense that such chemicals are known to affect hormones could play a role in postpartum depression, which is also influenced by hormonal changes after birth. The research is so important because these chemicals are so prevalent in the environment that they are detectable in nearly all pregnant women in the United States. If these chemicals can affect prenatal hormone levels and subsequently postpartum depression, reducing exposure to these types of chemicals could be a plausible avenue for preventing postpartum depression. Dude, postpartum depression is real it's serious. Legit, right? 
Um, I mean, really serious. I had it with Bella, and I remember um, I had never experienced um, depression before, and so I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what's wrong with me? And I remember talking to my doctor like, hey, I'm feeling these really weird feelings and they're like yeah that's called postpartum depression yeah trying to figure out how to deal with it and cope with all these different feelings it was really scary but it's bonkers how these chemicals in the environment that are found in most pregnant ladies can influence that well i'm not surprised well researchers followed 139 women which does not seem like a very large sample size but Nonetheless, they followed these women throughout their pregnancies and four months postpartum, which, again, doesn't seem like very long to follow someone postpartum, but most identified as Hispanic and had only completed high school or some college. During pregnancy, the participants filled out questionnaires detailing factors like their medical history, health behaviors, and depressive symptoms. The researchers also took the women's urine and blood samples to measure their levels of certain types of endocrine-disrupting chemical found in plastics as well as their sex hormones. Then four months after their deliveries, the researchers assessed the participants of this study while taking into account issues like social conditions, birth outcomes, and antidepressant use. The study authors found that women with higher levels of these chemicals in their urine were more likely to meet criteria for postpartum depression. Only 12% of the 139 women, or less than 9%, met criteria for diagnosable postpartum depression. Well, estimates of its prevalence nationally range from 10 to 25%. So it looks like the sample had a smaller size than what is found in the average population. But interestingly enough, though, people with postpartum depression tend to be older, single, and experience depressive symptoms during pregnancy as well. Interesting, right? Yeah, that. I mean, I feel like that's not a big enough sample size and... Um, you know, I feel like they need to do a little bit more testing. Yeah. Well, like what sure. you were saying, that doesn't seem... It doesn't like seem it. that significant given the, the numbers in regular society. But anyway, researchers also found that higher chemical exposure was also linked to lower levels of progesterone, which affects menstruation and modulates mood. So this finding well, aligns sad. with the hypothesis that endocrine-disrupting chemicals drive hormonal shifts which can affect postpartum depression. So, you know, other factors could also be at play, though, and more research is definitely needed, but the study is the first to look specifically at how chemicals affect hormones and can produce postpartum depression risk. Though, past research has shown that endocrine-disrupting hormones are linked to adverse birth outcomes like preterm birth. Researchers say avoiding food, packaging, and certain cosmetics and plastics during pregnancy could be an easy way to reduce postpartum depression risk, and I would have to agree. So, although the study size here and the sample size is very small, why not just avoid it? And, you know, what what harm could it possibly do, right, to avoid these things during pregnancy? I mean, it's not harmful at all to just do what's best for your body. Right. I mean, I tend to think just as a whole that, I mean, having a study like that is kind of a big no-brainer, like a duh. Like, how could exposing yourselves to chemicals and cleaning products and all that stuff possibly be good for anyone, let alone a pregnant woman? Correct. I mean, it does seem like a big fat duh. 
I know that Johnson and Johnson and a lot of these chemical companies that are putting out the cleaning products are really trying to say, Hey, our products are safe. Hey, our products aren't, you know, going to hurt anyone, but I can't imagine that constant exposure to any of those could be doing anyone any favors. I mean, if you look at any products that you use, there's a million different types of chemicals that they say are safe. But, I, I mean, I know, for example, Gabe, when he was little, he couldn't use the Johnson & Johnson soap because it would make him break out and mm-hmm. severe, severe rashes. Yeah. Uh, so he would be he was reacting to some type of chemical in there. Um, so we couldn't use that at all. Yeah. It, it, there was such a sensitivity to it. So, um, I know that, um, I try to use, um, you know, as chemical free stuff as I possibly can, but that's hard because literally everything has chemicals in it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bonkers. Um, so just avoid that stuff. If you're trying to get pregnant, you know, and the thing is I, I had a conversation with my, my fertility doctor about this too. She, you know, they talked about potential toxin exposure, like mm-hmm. paints, garden chemicals, you know, mm-hmm. certain things that you're using in your home, just avoid them. They said, you know, these are the doctors that are telling me this. So I, I'm more, you know, likely to trust them and believe in them. Oh yeah. There's, a, there's to... a lot of stuff you should avoid when you're pregnant. And I'm like, why just when you're pregnant? I mean, right. If it's not good for you when you're pregnant, it's not I... good for you when you're not pregnant either. So just... I can't imagine it'd be healthy anytime. So just be careful folks when you're out there using those products. If you do have to use them, just put a pair of rubber gloves on. I mean, it's not going to kill you. And if you can avoid using them, I mean, vinegar is a nice alternative in many ways for cleaning. Hydrogen peroxide is a nice mm-hmm. non-toxic um, cleaning agent. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there now that is either organic or, you know, completely safe for use, you know, against your skin that's not oh, going to put all those chemicals into your bloodstream. There's a lot more options out there now nowadays for cleaning cleaning products yeah for sure soaps and shampoos there's the castile soaps i for a little while was making my own um laundry soap but the only thing about it is is you can't get things smell as good yeah well you wake up and you realize what the hell am i doing i'm crazy i'm trying to make my own laundry <laughs> soap what the hell is wrong with me i was just trying to <laughs> reduce the chemical like i know i sound like such a little hippie but like I was just, because we have so many skin issues in our family that I was just trying to like problem solve. Yeah. I hear you. But the thing is, is I could never get my clothes to smell as good as I would like them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just, I eventually gave up and just tried to find an all natural soap that smelled decent, but. Yeah. I hear you. It is what it is, but we're going to go ahead and wrap this particular episode up for the day. Unless you have anything else you want to add. Nope, I'm good. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can shoot us an email. We're at thehypoalmapodcast at gmail.com. We will drop that email address and any um, articles we've used for the show today into the show notes. You can also check us out. We do post pictures on podcast.addict. So we're at podcast.addict on Instagram um, and on Twitter as well. Um, we do post stuff on there occasionally. I, I will try to post some pictures of the woman with the bleeding eyes because that's just bonkers. 
Yeah, that's good. That was really cool. So to see like the picture, it's it's fascinating. Yeah. So please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild medical news. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Keep it real and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye.